God, you are so gracious and so kind that you meet us wherever we're at. Uh, a, a, a child hears you, Lord. You hear a child's cry. Uh, out of the mouth of babes is, is praise perfected. And, and Lord, you hear our cries no matter where we're at. And uh, we need to just to call out on you. We want to honor you with our lives, God, and acknowledge the fact that you are you are God and we are not. And we look to you, God. And I know there's people who have unspoken prayers, and maybe just out of fear or just privacy, God, they have not lifted those up. But but you know what those are, Lord, and you hear even the cries of those hearts. You you heard Samuel's mom Hannah when she was just barely muttering nothing, but it was a prayer to you that you honored God. And so you hear those prayers, God. And I pray, Lord, through your um, your Holy Spirit, Lord, to bring that peace that surpasses all understanding, that peace that guards our heart, Lord, and that you would um, show yourself in a real way, faithful and strong. And we look to you, Lord. And today, I pray that today you would be exalted. Jesus, this church, we, we look to you for everything, Lord. And we just, we just love you. And Lord, I pray for your help. I pray as you told Jeremiah, he said, I'm just a child, God. I'm, who am I to, 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 to declare your word? And But you said to Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth. And so, Lord, I pray that you would put your words in my mouth, and let me just be a vessel and pray, Christ, that you would be glorified and exalted in everything we do here in Jesus' name. about now? Hear me now? All right. Good to see everyone. Welcome. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of James. We're going through the book of James, and we are in chapter 3. And I started the first part of James last week, and I didn't get very far. So we'll see. My goal is to get to chapter 12. That's the goal. All right, so James is, of course, James, he's the half-brother of Jesus, and uh, he is actually a, like a pillar in the church, and when Jesus was alive, he didn't believe in Jesus, but then Jesus rose again, and he appeared to his brother James, and James uh, uh, obviously became a believer, and he uses a lot of scripture from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So James is a very practical book, very hard-hitting, practical book. Uh, how do I know if you're a believer, he's basically saying. <laughs> well, show me with your life, right? And uh, at uh, James chapter 2, he, talks, he talked about that, how there's a faith that's just spoken, and then there's a faith that's actually lived out, you know? And, uh, and now he's actually talking about a faith that's actually spoken out, right? About how, how we use our mouth, you know? How many of you guys are like me? Your mouth gets you in trouble sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, more times than not, my, my mouth gets me into trouble. And so uh, there's wisdom that James is trying to teach us. Let me just start with verse 1. We're actually, verse 5 is really, we're going to really uh, start in the teaching. I'll just get a learning start. So James 3. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will encounter a stricter judgment. I talked about this last week, how, you know, being a teacher of the word, this is a, this is a double-edged sword, and you got to be very careful how you handle it, because you can hurt somebody with it and mess somebody up, you know, so uh, as a speaker, you know, I, I put, put a lot of time, I take this very seriously, you know, uh, as a listener, as a listener, 
you also have to b- guard yourself from what you listen to, right? Be a Berean, as, as the Bereans went back to and they checked out the scripture to make sure that what Paul was saying was accurate, you know? So that's a, that's a good thing to do, being a wise listener. You don't want to just let everything in without some sort of filter, you know? Um, but he says, uh, he says, for we all, stum- we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect or a mature man. That's the, uh, the how you use your mouth is actually a key to maturity. <laughs> you know, when you're younger and you kind of get into those ages of using your mouth in the wrong way, but then you get more mature and wiser. It seems like the wiser, older, mature folks use their mouth very discreetly, don't they? You know, and uh, so he says, all of us, if we, uh, if, if we don't stumble in what we say, he, uh, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole tongue as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their, their entire body as well. The whole first part of this chapter is really about controlling the tongue, controlling what you say. In fact, that's going to be the, the first part we talked about is, 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 is that there is huge potential with what you say. Your mouth can direct your entire life. He says that. He says this. He says, uh, "We put um, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well." And then he says, "Look at the ships also. Though, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder. A small piece of you know, a small rudder can direct this huge ship. In the same way, the small little." Slippery <laughs> thing in your mouth <laughs> can direct your life. What you say has profound influence, right? Even in passing, your words can have influence. A lot of us are moved by speakers, right? We watch every four years, there's a politician that comes on the scene and tells us how they can make your life brand new, right? Just by doing what they promise to do, right? And of course, we're like, yes, you know, vote for this guy because he sounds great. You know, we are moved by words, right? And we said last week, Jesus, of course, you know, no man has spoken like this. The, the soldiers went to arrest him and they said, they came back empty-handed and they say, Where'd you, where's Jesus? Well, did you hear this guy speak? No one has spoken like him. He changed the world by his words. Of course, he backed it with action, right? But his words have life. power of the word. So James is saying, there's great potential in your mouth, huge potential to do wonderful things. But then in verse 5, it kind of opens up the door. In verse 5, he kind of says, there's great potential for great things, but then there's a potential for not so great things. So the tongue is also, verse 5, a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. Now he switches gears in 5b. (laughs) And this is, this is uh, where we're going to focus on, 5b to 12. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. How many of you guys like to go camping? You'll go camping, right? You know, you're going to start, you're going to have, you're going you're gonna to put together the camp, you know, and of course, you're, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to clear out the campsite. You're going to get all the dead leaves and all the stuff because you want it to be safe. And then you're going to put the rocks around, right? Make it a circle because you, you want the fire to be sort of be contained. You know, because, you know, there's a danger of some spark going and then some dry thing that's going to cause something that gets out of control. In fact, that's what he says. There's a huge potential for danger 
uh, in, in the tongue. When he says, see how great a forest is set aflame by such a small, or the word small is micros, little, really tiny spark that can cause a tremendous fire. That, there's that Chicago fire that happened in the 1800s. It was started supposedly by some cow tipping over some, some lady's lantern on a, on a farm or something. And before you know it, 17,000 buildings were burnt down and 300 people died and all kinds of, because of just a little accidental, you know, flame. Just, that's it, you know. And James is saying, that's the potential for danger in your tongue. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's very, very, very potentially dangerous. A couple of things about fire, of course, you know, fire, fire easily spreads, doesn't it, right? Like you just have a little spark and it can spread. It's not like water. Water doesn't multiply like that. Fire multiplies. It just kind of just, right? Um, fire spreads easily. Certain words that we say can, before you know it, it's halfway around the world on the internet, on Facebook, and now next thing you know, it's like somebody in Japan is commenting on your, <laughs> your latest status. You know, our words can spread, and now so even more with social media. Right. By the way, just because you can't see it on the screen doesn't mean it's not still out there. <laughs> That's why on social media, be very careful what you put on social media because even if you change your mind, it's hard to reverse. And there's times, you're like, sometimes you just want to go off and just, right? You just want to dump on, on people. And you got to be careful of that. Fire spreads easily. Fire, of course, is, if it's uncontrolled, is destructive. We know that. It's, it's, it's great potential for cooking. Like I watch these camper guys. You know, they go out in the bush. They go out by themselves. They have the tent with their little, they got their little stove thing, you know, and they got their little, they got their, they're by themselves. They're just doing the, doing the guy thing, right? And, and, but they have to be, ca be careful, right? And it could, the fire can do great things. It can cook, it can clean the water, and all that kind of stuff. But if it gets out of control, it will destroy. And so the same thing as James is saying, our mouth can be destructive. Proverbs says, like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. In Proverbs 16, 27, a worthless man digs up evil while his words are like a scorching fire. Huge potential, huge potential for danger. Fire destroys, it's uncontrolled. It also leaves something like a bad taste or smell. Okay. You sit in the smoking section at Denny's, <laughs> you come home, and, and this is back when they had a smoking section. Do they have a smoking section Not anymore? Do they? I remember one time I was, I, have, I went to Denny's one year, years ago, and one year, <laughs> way back when, and I, I sat in that second because there was no other second, I, and I met up with some friends afterwards, I'm like, where you, where you been at? They can smell the smoke on me, right? So the, the, the words we say can also leave that, that aroma of food, you know? So James is saying it can, it can, it can, it can do a great harm. And, of course, the damage it ca causes can be disproportionate to its size. Such a small spark, a small fire can cause great damage. 
basically James is saying, you got to control your tongue. The tongue is a fire, verse uh, 5b, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members at that which defiles the entire body. The word defiles, it means to stain, it means to corrupt. The whole thing is ruined by what you say, or or could potentially be ruined by what you say. The whole person can become corrupt. It It just ruins the whole thing, your words. The very world of iniquity. That's why I said last week, an out-of-control tongue reveals an out-of-control life. The tongue, how you use your mouth, isn't just the evidence to spiritual maturity. It's, it's the key to spiritual maturity. Okay, If you want a key, on, that's why James is so heavily emphasizing how you speak. You want to become mature, master how you use your mouth. Right? How you speak, what you say, what you don't say. Um, he says, the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members of that which defiles the end. That's how much power the tongue has. You, can, you meet somebody, they're, they're attractive, they're good looking, they're dressed nice, they're put it together, but they open their mouth and it's like, <laughs> it's all downhill from there, right? Because it reveals, Right? And it's influence, he says, it sets on fire the course of our life. It directs the course of your life. Just like the rudder directs the course of the ship, how you speak can direct your life. And if it's not in control, it is then set on fire by hell. By the way, the word hell there is the word Gehenna. And in Jerusalem, in the southern western portion of the city, there was a valley of Gihon, or Hinnom rather, and they used to have child sacrifices there to the god Molech, and they would burn they put these babies on there to, to sacrifice them. And then Josiah came along and cleaned that, that part up. Well, eventually, that part became the garbage dump of the city. And it never, the fire never went out. It was always burning. It was always just going on. And Jesus uses that as an image of, of hell. And James is saying, sometimes it's hell itself is influencing what you're saying, right? Get thee behind me, Satan, Jesus says to Peter, because of his words. So how so so, what happens? You know, we try, we're supposed to control the tongue, and he and he says, "Oh, check this out, verse seven. For every species of of animals is is controlled and tamed. Look at verse seven. Uh, every species uh, of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. I mean, you can go to the circus. Uh, do they have circuses anymore? with animals and cages and all that. They don't do that anymore, do that. But, okay, those of us who are old enough remember going to the circus, right, and seeing the, you know, the, the Barham Bailey and the, the lions and tigers and bears and all, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I don't, now it's probably just acrobatic guys that go up and down on the trampoline. But now, but back then, okay, you can control, you can control animals, right? Well, James is saying we can control, we can tame uh, animals, but it's so hard to control the tongue, right? It's, it's, and James is talking about um, um, 
this, this idea of having to really be putting your tongue behind the cage. God has given us a cage, right? Here's the bars. It's my teeth, right? And just that's the cage behind, you know, with your mouth. What happens if we don't control what we say? What happens if we don't control our tongue? We can do a lot of destructive things. The Bible has a, a plethora of verses that talks about how we use our mouth. With our mouth, we can destroy others, their character, reputation. We could say something about somebody, and we cannot take it back, and it can go, and even if it's not true, somebody's going to believe it. And next thing you know is your character's maligned. Proverbs 11.9 says, With his mouth the godless man destroys his neighbor. Just with his mouth. The Jewish rabbis uh, compared the, our mouth not to a dagger, but to an arrow because you can do it from a long distance away. Proverbs 12 says, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There's all kinds of ways that, 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 that the mouth is used to destroy people. And I don't want just we can just mention those things. Because this is what James is talking about. You can cause great destruction and damage. There's ridicule and gossip. You put somebody down. You, you talk, talk bad about them. You, talk, you, you uh, slander them or embarrass them or tease them. Some of us have gone through that, and even as kids, we still remember the time we were taught we were teased, right? And the time when somebody ridiculed us. And that the, the, the unseen piercing of the words that no one else sees but you and God. And sometimes we hear the words of criticism, and it hits us like, oh, it's like you're feeling for the first time, even though somebody else is getting criticized, Right? James says we have to tame the mouth. We have to tame the mouth. By the way, that word tame um, is used in Mark 5.4 to describe the man who is demon-possessed by a thousand demons, and no one can control him. That's the same word for tame. He was... Difficult. No one was able to control that man because he was so demonized. That's the same word for tongue, or for, for tame, rather. With her mouth, we can ridicule and insult somebody and criticize and complain and slander them, all kinds of stuff, and gossip about them and, and destroy who they are. And it can often come from even those closest to you. James is saying it's, Listen, if you had a wild beast, you would be able to at least get it under control, but it's still a wild beast. We have friends who have, um, their daughter has snakes, pet snakes, rattlesnakes. <laughs> rattlesnakes. That's not one pet I want to have because that pet is always staying in the cage, right? I'm never letting that, that thing out of there. There's some animals you can tame, like a dog. I mean, you guys have dogs, right? Cats? You can't tame cats, can you? <laughs> Does any cat people know disrespect? I had cats growing up, but <laughs> cats don't listen to you. <laughs> they do what they want to do. Dogs? 
They're different, right? But white rattlesnakes? Forget about it. And James is saying, your tongue is like that wild animal that needs to be tamed, and you better keep a short leash on that tongue and keep it behind this cage, and if you let it out, oh, it better be under very, very important. Th- that's the image he's getting here, you know? People reveal themselves by what they say, don't they? Some people, that all they do is talk about themselves. You know, they boast, they brag, and this and that. Me monster, right? <coughs> me, look at me, look at me. No, 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 no. You know, they criticize and complain. And, and that's why when you look at the Gospels, you look at the Scriptures, you look at the writings of Paul and the shift that has to happen because of Jesus Christ is like, no, there's, a, there's something different now. Your, your mouth was actually designed to give God praise. Your mouth was designed and t- originally to be, be one to glorify God. It's interesting, the first sin in the Garden of Eden, Gen- Genesis 3, the first use of Adam's mouth is slander to God. God, the woman you gave me. Bam, he slanders God. And it's interesting that one of the first acts of the church or the first things that happened is at Pentecost, God redeeming the tongue at Acts chapter 2, right? Instead of slandering God, they're giving praise to God. That's one of the first things that happens. God, let my words, let the let my words be glorifying to you, right? Yeah, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm I this is this is a lifelong this is a lifelong goal. You know, some of us have yearly goals. You know, let this be a lifelong, let this be a daily goal. Lord, help me not to say something stupid. <laughs> Excuse my words. Help me to say things that are helpful to people. Because that wild beast of my mouth wants to get out and wants to lash at people sometimes. And I have to, whoa, get back in your sink pen. You know? Yeah, we came home. I remember, I'm going to tell you a story. But one time we came home, the kids were younger. And Sharon and I were out somewhere, and we, were, we had separate cars. And, and typically, Sharon is the faster driver. You are. You know, I'm, I'm cautious and safe. Maybe you're lead foot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and this, and, <laughs> and this, one, this one evening, I got home before Sharon. We left the same on a restaurant or wherever we were at, someplace we were at. And the kids... Uh, we're at grandma and grandpa's or somewhere. I forget where they were at. And so I parked my car. And if you can imagine, my car c- parks right by the door to my house. So in, in the garage. And I get out of the garage. And typically the kids come out and greet us. They were much younger. I came out of the car and I heard this. And I thought I punctured my front tire. So I went up to my tire and I l- turn my ear to learn to listen to make sure. And there, right there, is a snake, rattlesnake, all curled up. And that was a god thing that the kids were not there because they always came out to greet us. Something I don't know how that thing got in there, but it did not belong there. And I, <laughs> we called friends who were, prof- you know, they're good at. That was dangerous. Our tongue can be like that. It's not, it's not designed to be that, but that's, way, that's what can happen. Now, let me just be honest with you, okay? 
to be, be real. There's times I can talk to you face to face and be nice and Christian and all, but then I'll call my friend up afterward and say, yeah, can you believe what so-and-so did, da, 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 you know? Because I can be one way to one person and then just, it just comes out and I'm starting to slander somebody. You guys have done that? No, you haven't? Okay. Only me and Noah are the Christians in here. <laughs> just me. I'm the sinner. That's, that's right, God. That's why Leviticus says, you shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. Leviticus 19.16. And Proverbs 26 says, the, whisper, the words of a whisperer are, are like, like dainty morsels, you know. They go in to the innermost part of the body. The whisperer, the words of the, uh, Proverbs 26.22. They kind of just go in, right? They just drop in. And they take root, and they affect how you see people. God takes seriously our words to others. Uh, listen to this, Exodus 21, 17. He who curses his father or mother shall be put to death. Ouch. <laughs> you know? That's how serious it is. And dangerous. Proverbs 26 talks about gossip. A, a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. Why aren't you calling me anymore? Why, why are you looking at me differently? Well, you know, what I mean? well, something's off. Well, because that person's heard something about you that they don't like. And even though it wasn't true, they didn't go to you and say, is this true? We so, we so want to believe the bad stuff about people, right? Or am I, am I wrong there? We're just... That's why James says it's, it's, uh, it's the world of iniquity. The mouth is an ally to our sinful nature. We're supposed to tame it. And it's a fire from hell that that discourages and lies, accuses, and all kinds of stuff. When Paul says in verse 7, look back at verse 7, for of every species of beads, of beast, beads, beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures is tamed and is tamed by the human race. No one, verse thir see that verse 8, no one can tame the tongue. The, the Greek actually indicates no one of human beings can tame the tongue. No one, the way it's written in the Greek language, it's no one, it's, it's I won't get technical, but implies this contrast that no one of people, no one, no person in and of themselves can control the tongue. That means that implies we have to look outside of ourselves to have control of the tongue. And praise God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and God himself can give you a good mouth, right? And can change your heart. God can control our tongue. He can change it from something very restless and uncontrollable and disorderly and everything else to something that is controlled. That's all James is saying. God control your tongue. The tongue also, verse 9, is, what's the word I'm looking for? It's inconsistent. All right? 
Verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. How many of you guys ever had the time where you're, I don't know, you're kind of like, you're, you're praying, you're praising God, you know, and you're, and then the next minute you get a phone call, and then you're like, no, 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 you know, and it's like you're two different people. And he says, with it we we praise the Lord, we bless our Lord and Father, and, we're, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. And from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out this from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? You go to a fountain, you're expecting it, Lord willing, it'll be fresh, clean water, not salty and fresh water. Or bitter water and fresh water. You want it to be one thing. Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? We're inconsistent with how we use our mouth. <coughs> go to the Gospel of Matthew. I want to show you a couple of verses there from there. Go, let's, uh, Matthew 7, just a couple of verses in Matthew 7, and then a couple of chapters, and then we'll go back to James. Matthew 7, in verse 16. Um, well, through 15. Matthew 7, 15, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They look great on the outside, but inside they're completely different. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? For every tree, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce, produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Then he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will go in the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father. There's this inconsistency. There has to be consistency between what who you are and what you say and how you use your mouth. In Matthew 12, go to Matthew 12. kind of continues sort of on the same idea. Verse 33. Either make the tree good and its, and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Then he says, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? So how do we control that tongue? has to be a change of what's going on the inside, right? Um, how many of you guys like coffee or tea? How do you like, like tea? Yeah, I should have brought my tea kettle in because this, this illustration just... So, you know, you put the water on. You put water in it. Turn the heat on, right? That, that the tea kettle is kind of like us, right? If you turn up the heat, something is going to come out, Right? <laughs> And what's on the inside is going to come out eventually. It's going to whistle. Sometimes when God when the life turns up the heat in our lives, right, things come out. Oh, where did that come from? Well, that was in there all along, <laughs> you know. And one of the things of controlling the tongue is sometimes you gotta you gotta turn down the heat, don't you? 
or move it away from the heat. There's times when you're, if you're married, or if you're not, and things are bubbling up inside, and you know you're about to whistle, and you don't want to whistle, because somebody can get burned, right? Remove it from the heat. Oh, but you want to burn them. Inside you want to, right? Because you want to get in the last word. You want to win the argument, don't you? And sometimes the short-term win is a long-term loss. You win the battle, but you lose the war. Remember, it's a double-edged sword. It's a potentially wonderful thing, and it's a potentially very dangerous thing. And you can't be lax about how you use it. So how do we control our tongue? I, th I think the first thing is you have to decide to guard your mouth, right? Psalm 39.1 says, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle, even while the wicked are in my presence. Oh, I just want to tell them off. They're living wrong. They're sinners or whatever. They're in, I want to, You guys are quiet. Is this is this is it thinking again? Or is it bouncing off the water? I pray it sinks in. The psalmist says in Psalm 141 3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, and keep a watch over the door of my lips. Even the psalmist recognized, Boy, I, I gotta be careful how I use my mouth. So decide to just to say, that's my goal is to to, to guard my mouth. And I said, remove it from the heat. Sometimes, sometimes that's all you have to do is kind of remove the, diffuse the situation. Proverbs 26 says, for a lack of wood, the fire goes out. Remove it from the fuel. And where there is no whisper, contention quiets down. Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is like letting out of water. So abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. How many times, can I just be real again? I'm usually the one that sort of like wants to just kind of keep talking, you know, like kind of just want I want to be right. I kind of it's my personality. I want to win the. I want to win it, right? I want to. I'm gonna. I want to get in the last word. And the Lord says, "Just be quiet. Just don't. Just back away. You don't. It's okay. That's hard to do." We control the tongue by, by a changed heart. And Jesus Christ, of course, is the one who has changed our hearts. That's why Paul says in Colossians, go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. I love this. <coughs> um, Colossians 3. Verse 8, I'll just skip into the verse 8. But, but now you also, now you also, put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have been 
You have laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to the true knowledge according to the image of one who created him. In other words, there's something different. If you're a Christian, you have a new nature with him. You have, you have Jesus Christ. You have the Holy Spirit indwelling. So there's, there's an option there, right? And he says, put that old stuff away, that old speech, the old way of living and thinking away because there's something brand new in you. That's why he says in verse 12, he says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Stop right there. If you put on that kind of heart, it's hard to say bad things, right? When, when you're being humble, you're not defending yourself, right? Your dagger has been, been, it's not even out. Because when you're humble, you're just kind of like, you know, you're right. You're right. I, I'm a heart of gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one, one, one each other. And whoever has a complaint against anyone, you know, just as the Lord forgave you, you should also, you know, forgive that person. Then he says, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And skip on now in verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. If you want to change what comes out of that pot, change what's in you, right? Because what will be in you will come out. So even if the heat's turned up and I got the right stuff in me, what comes out is going to be different than if I had the old stuff, right? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you so that if it's in me, it will come out of me. With all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritually songs, with singing thankfulness in your hearts to God. The psalmist says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. See the connection there? The words of my mouth and meditations of my heart. This is in the right place. This will be in the right place, right? I think it was Psalm, was it one? Where was the Psalm? 1914. That's the words of my mouth. There's that connection there. Your thoughts in your mouth, in your mind, in your heart, are those the things that will bubble up. this helpful? I could probably go on for another half an hour, but I won't, because <laughs> I know. Um, just a couple, I guess a couple other just uh, wisdom things is uh, um, your words, your words are like a window to your soul, like a mirror, like, you know, they kind of, what you say, it's, it's like you're piercing and oh, that's a kind of, let it be that our words are are reflective of Christ and reflective of a changed heart, you know, of a thankful heart, of a humble heart. Um, let it be that people say, I, you speak differently and you walk differently, you live differently than anybody else. What's the, what's the difference? Jesus Christ is the difference, right? And sometimes when you're dealing with people, it's, it's, it's better to always, it's always better to err on grace than anything else. You can never go wrong by being gracious. 
You know, the only persons that Jesus actually sort of rebuked openly were the Pharisees. You look at what Matthew 13, I think it is. Woe to you Pharisees, you do this. They had a hard time with those people, right? Because they're, they're on the outside, they're one way, on the inside, they hadn't had to deal with that, you know? But most everybody else, he was gracious with everyone. And there's an opportunity for you to say something negative about somebody or positive. Be gracious. Always be gracious. That's Jesus. They were wondering at the gracious words that were falling from his lips. In Luke chapter 4, I think it is. If you can err on something, err on, on grace. Yes, sometimes you have to speak the truth to somebody. But speak it in love. How many guys like going to the dentist? Okay, that's, that's, you're being honest. I, my dad was a dentist. My brother's a dentist. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, but before they give you the shot, they put some anesthetic, some topical stuff on your gums to make it to numb the, so you don't feel it. You're not supposed to feel it. So that when they drill, you don't feel it, practically, you know. Uh, I was at a, I have, I've been going to this back chiropractor physical therapy place that does, because I pulled my back, you know. And part of the program, they have this thing they give you the shot in your back, like little needle, right? Just real quick. But to numb it, they spray this freezing stuff that freezes your back so you don't feel it. And literally, I can't, I, it's, it's like I'm just feeling my, my fingernails. Okay. Let it be that our words, we apply the anesthetic before we apply the truth. Because ultimately, you want them to receive the truth. But if you just jab it with them, just like you don't want to go back to the dentist, <laughs> there's going to be that same effect. It's the gracious part. Being patient with somebody. And some of us are always looking to correct somebody. I would say before you correct, compliment. We're, let's be honest, we're fragile people. Every single one of us has a, you know, we're very, sen uh, we're, we're sensitive, right? And especially to people's words, and especially to, to rebuke or correction, you still have to, you know? And sometimes, sometimes it's a time to be quiet and just be silent. Sometimes the wisest thing is, is silence. Anyway, back to James. We'll finish. We'll just, uh, I think we're just about to finish. I have, I think I had to go hold on like 20 points to show you guys, but <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to do that right now. Um, I do want to say is, is that God has given you a mouth to use for great potential. And in Jesus Christ, those words, the words in your mouth can be used to encourage people, to extend healing and love to people just by your words, uh, to encourage faith. Somebody texted me before service that they're having a hard time with their job. What should I do? I say, you know, I trust the Lord. He's going to provide. Just the little words of encouragement, just to encourage them. Our words can have that power. Parents, your kids, you know, possibly seeing. Speak those words of, of encouragement and truth and because they feed the soul, you know? Blessing. That's why the blessing in the Old Testament in, in was so 
important. We looked at when we looked through Genesis how important the blessing of Jacob was to even to, to his, his son Esau, who didn't get the blessing he, was, you know, he wanted to get. The, the blessing of a father, the words of a father. Pedro and Ken and Scott. I have I have a, a name a word association I can remember your because I'm going to think of this, the the famous ice skater Scott Hamilton. <laughs> I have to go there. <laughs> I'll think of somewhere Scott. Okay. Hey, he's a little guy, isn't he? Well, he could do a backflip on the ice though, like nobody's business. So, but I have to figure out. I just met the words we speak to our to our wives our kids have great weight and sometimes the words that we speak to them they'll remember you guys know that you get, they'll remember 20 30 40 years ago okay well they know that they need to hear it and they need to hear from dad I'm sometimes I'll text my kids just out of the blue as the Lord leads just encourage them and you know I'm I'm an introvert by day, but sometimes if God gives a hold of my heart, I just I just want to bless them because I want it to be where where the words I speak are are words of encouragement and gentleness and grace and yes direction and teaching, but words that would be as if the father said to his son, "This is my son. You are my son in whom I am well pleased." The first words we hear God the Father speaking to Jesus. So James says, be wise in what you say. Control your tongue. Use your tongue for good, for fresh water, not bitter water. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have given us your word. Your word is, is amazing, Lord. Your word is powerful. We, we turn to your word to, to hear from you and also to have encouragement and our faith built up and just to hear the words of love and grace, and yes, truth as well. Um, but your word, Lord, it nourishes our soul, and we as uh, we are with Peter when we say, when he said, "Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of life." Lord, just as we turn to you uh, to receive those words, let those words, as Paul says, be in our hearts, so to speak, and let our minds meditate and think on those things and let our words sound like Jesus to the people we encounter, especially our family, those we have a close relationship with. Lord, let it be that our words resemble Jesus. And people say, those guys have been with Jesus. Lord, thank you for, for taking and redeeming us redeeming us from, from, from sin and from hell and from, from a, a corrupt way of thinking and corrupt mouth and, and redeeming all of us, body, soul, and spirit, entire heart, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to grow each one of us um, to walk in your ways and to speak and to sound like Jesus and let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, Lord. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand up before we depart? It's our, our custom every Sunday to for me to pronounce a blessing. You, this is uh, Moses said to Aaron before you you know dismiss the people, place my name on them, bless them with these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Take care. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Hopefully see you guys next week. Wednesday, men's fellowship. Thursday, Friday, student ministry. And beyond that, God bless. We'll see you later. Take care.